Welcome to the Modern Hippie Podcast, where we'll be exploring all of my favorite boundary-pushing people and topics surrounding consciousness, psychedelics, mental performance, functional medicine, living in alignment, and so much more. I'm your host, Barrett Perlman, a former pro wakeboarder turned body worker, energy healer, and well, a modern hippie. And I'm so glad you're here. Welcome back to the Modern Hippie Podcast. I am joined today by Jennings Ingram, who is an environmental consultant and designer, host of the Regenerative Revolution Podcast, and content creator. Thank you so much for joining me today. Yes, thank you so much for having me. I'm excited. You know, the intersection of spirituality and psychedelics and ecology is a really interesting and like juicy part of my life and my work. So I'm really happy to come on and talk to you about it today. Yes. And I love all those things as well. Um, especially spirituality completely changed my life and plant medicines. And um, I love what you're doing with the earth and regeneration. And so what were you doing before you got into all of this? Mm, that's a good question. So I have had like being really intimately connected with the earth has been a big part of my upbringing, right? I grew up in mm. rural North Carolina. So I was very connected to our family farm there. And then my path kind of led me, you know, I studied environmental science in college and then I got my permaculture design certification. So I've kind of been in that. Um, yeah. But my first business actually was an art business. Um because there's actually a lot of intersection between like, I mean, it's the creative process. So we see that in the creation of art. We see that in the relationships that make up ecology as well. So my first mm. business actually was an art business where I was creating these oil paintings and selling them. And that was really fun. Um, but ultimately, like my calling has really been to work with this broader canvas of like, the planet and the communities on the planet, which of course includes us. Mm. Oh, that is so cool. I love that you've been like on your path your whole life, essentially. I mean, um, yeah. I suck at plants for personally. <laughs> I have I have a brown thumb. <laughs> well, uh, the thing is everyone sucks at plants at first. Like people think, oh, you, you're so good with plants. Like you must have been – no, like there's been a lot of casualties along the way for <laughs> sure. Like, oh my gosh. So, um, yeah, <laughs> uh, there's a learning curve with everything. I still kill plants and, sometimes, you know. Oh no. Not on purpose. But it, it happens. Right. <laughs> I guess it, it does, right? It's like no matter where you put them, sometimes something gets into them. Sometimes they get a disease. They're, um, yeah. Where are you located now? You're not in North Carolina anymore. Yeah, I'm actually living on the island of Maui, Hawaii, which um, I never would have anticipated that on my life path, but here we are. <laughs> and how did you end up out there? So I actually got invited here to participate in an aquaponics internship originally, and um, that was through like someone I connected with on social media. And then once I was here, I really became clear that there was like a lot of opportunity. And then I got invited to help run and be part of this um, like permaculture program here. 
and help them with their social media and, you know, uh, managing the interns. And so that was kind of how I like really landed here. Very cool. And when, what time was that? That was in 2019. Ooh. So like right before the pandemic. Yeah. So I've, I've been here, like I wrote out, you know, the 2020 storm here on the island, um, which was, yeah, it was actually a really good place to ride it out. Um, You know, there was no one really traveling to or from here and it was very peaceful. So I'm, yeah, grateful for that for sure. Yeah. What a rare way to get to see one of the Hawaiian islands. Um, Yeah. With no one on it or almost no one on it. Nobody coming here. That's so crazy. So crazy. And so what did you do during that time? I mean, were they, were you being paid? Were you just working to live? What was, what was happening for you? Mm, Yeah. So I joined that program and I was work trading. I was getting paid some. And then when um, the pandemic happened, you know, we were like a community farm kind of like we were, uh, here's an education center. So obviously, you know, the influx of visitors and people coming to learn at the farm stopped. So, um, yeah, so we kind of just hunkered down on this property in the jungle, me and the people living there, there were five of us and just kind of wrote it out. We didn't, the owner of the farm just had like for us to maintain, you know, the living systems there, he just brought in, you know, he, we had groceries brought in and we just stayed there. Like there was a, there was a real um, fear about like germs being brought in and things from the owner. So we really just hunkered down for several months there. Wow. I mean, that had mm-hmm. to be such an interesting, I honor your experience. <laughs> I'm sure it was oh, man. So look very different I'm... from mine. <laughs> and so yeah. You shared with me before, it was somewhere around that time too, that you started to get into ayahuasca. Oh, yes. Yeah. So um, I think the way that I sort of phrase it, or kind of the arc of my life is that I, you know, was very much into the whole, like grew up in nature, then went sort of hard on the environmental science side of things, and then was, you know, following that and basically was... Um, intercepted when I got to the island with this like strong psychedelic spiritual kind of awakening that I did not anticipate but it was definitely <laughs> <laughs> like many things uh, but it was definitely destined to happen that way and um, yeah so I you know I won't give like crazy details but basically the farm that I was living on ended up um having ayahuasca as part of the culture there and um, yeah and I did not know that I just came for you know the permaculture and the the job and the the whole thing and then I learned like oh that's what those vines are and that's what (laughs) these interesting bushes are and I was like all right well um and then you know the offer was extended to me well, like, do you want to come and sit with us? And I thought about it and I was like, well, 
if, it, if I've like clearly been led to exactly this point here now to be having this extremely rare opportunity that a lot of people travel, you know, deep into the jungle and like really go through a lot to have. And it's like literally right in front of me. Um, who am I to say no? <laughs> I mean, I would agree completely. It's talk about synchronicities. Yeah. And it was not, you know, I never thought like, oh, I'm someone who's going to have done a bunch of ayahuasca, but um, here we are. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, mean, I, I want to be crazy. one of those people <laughs> I, know. I have been done crazy some people take it really far um but you know you and I have both done it and I know that you know it is no joke right like I mean yeah. you know at some level all plants are psychedelic right they have many mm. um biochemical properties that activate different parts of our DNA and give us different nutrients and all these things and um ayahuasca like I remember before the first time I drank I went out onto the the, the planchio it's called where they where there's tons of these vines growing I mean thousands mm. and I was just wow. touching the vine and I was like I know and and I could just feel like this energy kind of like running up and down the vine and I was like whoa like it's about to get oh. real and it did it did get real <laughs> I'm so curious because you're so integrated with plants before you even did ayahuasca. How did that evolve your relationship with plants? So my understanding of it, it kind of just deepened. So the ecological understanding of the world is kind of, is like that everything's interconnected, right? Um, like, all different parts of the ecosystem feed each other and they're all intricately linked, right? If you picture a spider web. And in my, my first ayahuasca session, I actually saw like this beautiful intricate spider web weaving together, like, like everything, including like I first saw my family members and then it like spread out to all of life. And I, I just realized like, gosh, there's so much, the sort of primer that my brain had for these things through the study of the natural world, um, I realized that it also very much extends to the spiritual realms and the things that we don't mm. see and we can't see and, and um, that those are just as real. So it, it really, it kind of just deepened my lens on interconnection from the study of like plants and the way that those systems work to like, oh, it's everything, including all these facets of my brain, including my soul, including all of our souls, including, you know, the karmic contracts of all of us here. And mm. yeah, I don't know if that's a good explanation. <laughs> I think it's a great explanation. I mean, yeah, it really unlocks that next level. It's like you can think that you have a grasp on it. And, and that you're like, yeah, of course, I appreciate the cycles of the earth and the universe and, you know, the moon and uh, the seasons, right? They're all a wheel, essentially operating in a wheel and a cycle. But then you can take ayahuasca and be like, holy shit, I now know everything that I didn't know I didn't know. Just that those extra layers of unlocking and really getting to not just see it and like, not just like know that you know it, but like feel it experience yeah. it, live it to like the core of your, your being. 
I think um, a really interesting part of the study of ecology and psychedelics too has been for me is the deeper that I go into it, the more humbling that it is, because the more that I become aware of all that I don't know and, and the vastness of the, the mystery that we're all actually inhabiting here on the planet. And so it's, <laughs> it's really interesting. It's, it's one of those things where it's like, by some, at some, by some measure, I suppose, like I have experienced a lot, I have studied a lot, but really what comes with that, like my, the internal experience of that is feeling, I feel like more of a beginner than I ever have. <laughs> mm. <laughs> oh my gosh. I can totally relate. Like I have been working on my healing craft for years now and I'm like, you know, sort of following the the guidance of this one um, shaman from Bali who was like, you know, this year you'll, you'll reach your full power. And I was always like, that is so far away. Um, but as I did ayahuasca the last, last month, it was like, holy shit, there's all this unlocking that's happening now. And I'm like, I didn't know it could be like that. And I didn't know it could be like that. And now it's, um, for me too, it's like just this, oh my God, I had no idea. And now how do I learn to, to, to work with that? And what's next? Um, to go and sit with it more and see, gosh, see what else you didn't know. I can't wait to see where the next several years take me if I, if I didn't know everything I didn't know already. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh, it's endless. It's endless, right? We're in some sort of large, mysterious living artwork in a way. I read this Mm. Terrence McKenna quote that was like, we're all, I mean, he used the word imprisoned, but I don't really vibe with that word, but we're all (laughs) inside some sort of beautiful intricate work of art and Mm. and with that comes you know it's the whole spectrum of experience right it's not just the beauty it's the other side and that's how I feel like (laughs) yeah oh I love that parallel and that quote and I I agree with you I, I don't enjoy feeling like it's a prison um you know where I've gotten to now in my life is like I didn't know life could be this good and every day I'm waking up happier than I ever knew was possible, more stoked on all the things I'm doing than I ever thought possible. And so to call it a prison now is like a joke. I'm like, mm-hmm. we're in, sure, if you get to create everything you ever wanted in prison, yeah. sounds like a sweet prison. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's co-creative, you know, like, and that's something that I really love about this work with ecology and food forests and mm. and the work that I do is it's really – it's our imagination combined with the life force and kind of like, those are the two kind of basic things that you're working with. Um, And from there, the most beautiful, abundant, gorgeous landscapes Mm. and manifestations of our mind grow. And it's just, it's incredibly rewarding. It's, it's, Mm unlike anything else really yeah and I love that early on you tied that in with art you know yes, um, it is art. I love it absolutely is right and it's like mother nature is the ultimate artist because everything is. is perfect and yet imperfect all at the same time and she never makes a mistake and yet she just keeps going and um I went to this Da Vinci exhibit 
the other day and got to see some of his quotes and more of his designs and things. And, um, there was something that he said about, you know, art is never finished. It's only ever like abandoned, um, because otherwise you'll, Mm -hmm. you'll strive for perfection Mm -hmm. and there's no such thing as perfection. And, uh, yeah, I really like how that applies to like art or to to the natural world as well, right? She never abandons anything. It's always continuing to grow. And um, it is that perfection, almost like the duality of what Da Vinci was talking about. Totally. But, uh, yeah, that really fueled, that realization really fueled a lot of my transition from, um, you know, like uh, kind of like painting and this sort of static artwork, which is, it's a part of the creative process, but it's almost like a byproduct of the actual living process that, that happened when you were creating that art. And then when we step into working with living systems, it's that participatory relational flow where, where it is alive and, and you're, it's like a, it's a conversation that is dynamic and, and continuous. And so when I realized that I was like, oh, this is the master artist. Like, what am I doing with my paintbrush? Mm. <laughs> Having fun expressing yourself. Yes. (laughs) And so where did you move on to then once you started doing ayahuasca, did you grow out of the place that you were doing your internship and what did you do? Yeah. Yeah. So from there I start, you know, COVID like started to loosen up a little bit and I was able to start to get private clients here on the island, design clients and consultation clients. I also help people with like social media and some branding and content creation. So I started to get clients um, in those areas. And then I moved to another home where I just further have grown my, my business. And now I'm in my like third place that I've lived since I've been here on the Island and um, in this place of, uh, Another another space of transition, for mm. sure. What are you transitioning into now? Mm. Well, you're like, what's going on in your your shift? Yeah. So, part of my so, you know, I'm going into my seventh year as a designer, consultant, um, advocate for the planet, like agent of you know catalyzing things in this space and one really core clear truth that's come through again and again is no one can really design anything for anyone else in a sense because Mm. it's such a personal process right it's such an intimate process of someone with their like when we decide to enter relationship with a natural world that's around us even if we just have a small yard it's the creation of a relationship. And so when people are seeking guidance or someone to come in and help them with that, that I love to do that. The process of going in like as the designer and creating these things that oftentimes I've seen to be just. I, so I'm curious, you're talking specifically about designing landscape, right? Designing like plant and yard design. So designing food forests specifically. Sounds way sexier. (laughs) I know. Yeah. So it's um, like a collaborative ecosystem of 
plants and fungi and other organisms, insects, all that, sometimes animals, um, where we're mimicking, we're using the principles of nature and how nature would grow a forest, but we are tweaking it to produce a ton of food and a ton of benefits for the surrounding environment. So um, that's been, when I'm speaking about design or helping people to design things, um, it's food forests. And so that is that kind of like the definition of regenerative agriculture as well, like designing the plants that work for the seasonalities that help build upon each other to to make the whole ecosystem um, rise. You tell me. (laughs) In a way. um, So regenerative agriculture is just kind of like an umbrella term for a lot of different techniques that work Mm. with nature and with nature's principles instead of against her. So um, obeying basic principles like keeping the soil covered, keeping living roots in the soil, um, embracing diversity. You know, nature has a lot of lessons to teach us about the importance of diversity. And um, yeah, so it's, it's working with the principles of nature instead of against her basically is is how I would broadly define regenerative agriculture, you know, to produce food. Um, right. And then food forests are kind of like a subset within that where um, we are just kind of creating these beautiful, almost like fairy tale type forests that are literally like mm-hmm. dripping food and medicine and like have tons of bees and butterflies in them and are really beautiful that I find to be a very um, enticing art form. And, uh, yeah, so I was just, just to complete my thought, um, I was just speaking about my experience doing that hands-on with people for the past, yeah, almost seven years now and how it's such a personal experience. It's not something that can really be done for anybody. Um, and so I'm finding now it's, I feel more passion in inviting people into this exploration in their own lives rather than coming in and being like, I am the designer and we're going to like lay this out because then it almost becomes like, uh, it becomes impersonal. It doesn't honor that like transformative process that both person and landscape go through. And then it also, it just kind of, um, it has almost like a construction project vibe. And to me, it's not that it's (laughs) like a, it's a very, um, very personal, very spiritual, very like, um, intimate artistic experience and so these days I'm transitioning more to teaching courses um, group courses where we can come together and learn about incorporating regenerative practices into our lives and just giving people the basic tools that they need to do that and community support to do that and then they run with it and do it and experiment and if they want to hire people to bring in to help them you know manifest their their dreams in that realm like it's it's uh it's more of a empowering perspective mm. versus like a, i'm gonna come in kind of like like done for you type of a thing it's more honoring right. of the personal process um and creative of community too and allows me to help more people with this sort of um goal of making the planet healthier and connecting to the spirituality of the earth um, at one time Mm, what a beautiful practice. And I love that transition because it's almost like you're running around and just like waking people up. 
like tapping them and empowering them with the ability to create their own fairy dreams. And uh, that gets people really excited about what they create. Right. And I mean, shit, now I'm like, oh, I want to talk to you about my yard. (laughs) Like, what's what's good for here? Yes. It can be so nourishing and ritualistic. It's not even that, it's not even so hard, you know? And um, I love the, I love the ritualistic element of it, right? Like, I call my course Mm. regenerative rituals because that's, and I love that title. It's really what engaging with nature is for me. It's regenerative for me, for the planet. And it's also like ritualistic and it's spiritual. And so I really want to be inclusive of like the spiritual community in this work because it is so deeply connected to what we all are. And, you know, especially over this past uh, almost year and a half, like I've gotten the opportunity to help create gardens and We've even got a little food forest started over at Ram Dass's property here on the island. What? And that is, yes. That's the sickest thing I've ever heard. <laughs> it's been so cool. It's been such an amazing experience helping with and um, helping to put together the temple gardens there. And through that, I've really connected with the ritualistic and the spiritual elements of this this planetary work more and more and this work with plants and community and um so you know the ayahuasca like my whole invite my whole involvement you know now with the ramda satsang and i can't turn away from the the spiritual sides of this work now like Mm -hmm. it's just it's not an option like the the world keeps teaching me that again and again so that's kind of the merging of my work now Well, I honor your shift. It sounds like it's taking you in all of the the places that flow easily for you and feel Thank aligned. You. And I want to I want to circle backwards now to Ramdas. <laughs> and sure. did did you uh get to meet him? I was on the island while he was alive, but I didn't get to mm. meet him. No. Oh, he bummer. passed while he passed we were both on the island, but I I didn't get to meet him in the flesh sadly. Mm. And what can you talk to me a little bit about what his space is like that he's left behind? And Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's interesting. It's, it's very, um, you know, it's definitely like a spiritually rich environment. It's very mm. charged, you know, his room, his study, the gardens, the, the grounds and all of the, you can really feel there's a strong energy there. And really what I love, about it the most is the community like the people who have gathered around him who gather around him through his life who are still there who still come through and visit you know the satsang they are so lovely and so it's been such a huge pleasure to get to know them and to have them as friends in my life and um getting to kind of yeah work with the plants in the gardens together and getting, you know, coming for Kirtan and all the time mm. that I've got to spend there. I've been very blessed to spend a lot of time there. And um, some of the most lovely, warm, open-hearted, spiritually deep people, you know, it's like, that's, the, it's a very concentrated nucleus there and you can really feel, you know, like the pool, like his presence is for sure there. Mm. 
I love that. Like, I would imagine too, I just, I'm getting very avatar in my head, but like the, this plants are just sucking up the spirituality of that, that location mm-hmm. and sending it into the earth and sharing it amongst the mycelium with the other plants. Like, yes, um, yes. It's such a pleasure to grow food over there. Cause you know, we're still in like the early stages of that, but, um, the, it's like everything that comes from there is, it is spiritually charged. Right. So, mm-hmm. um, like what was joking, like there's this beautiful rack of bananas over where everybody was chanting Kirtan the other week. And I was like, those are the most spiritually charged bananas on the whole island. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and they probably are honestly. You should eat one, see what happens. Probably trip. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Oh my gosh. And so what, um, what are some rituals around regeneration that are your favorite or that really speak to you? Mm. So there's a few parts to this, right? Like there's the, there's the kind of sort of, yeah, the, the more like ongoing things like things that I do a lot and then the things that I'll do kind of like um on more special occasions so Mm -hmm. uh so there's rhythms to both but they happen with like different frequencies so one of my favorite ways to kind of connect is um just a simple act of composting right like we think of Nature operates in cycles. This is something a lot of people don't understand, um, but it's really evident when you just look at it or you'll just get it. It'll be like, oh, nature operates in cycles, right? Um, Like this. And it's not just like this. It's actually spirals. And generally, like when we are participating with Mm. nature in ways that like enforce her cycles and the way that she works, the system spirals upward. Um, So one of the ways that we can honor that is by working with the cycling of organic material and it can go as deep or as shallow as you want. But for the purposes of this, um, I will just speak about composting and there's such beauty in the interface between life and death, right? It's Mm. like, it's compost and soil. It like is that liminal space between you know, what, what was, and then what it's going to become. And when we think about like the parallels, even with like the womb, right. And, Mm -hmm. and all of life coming from darkness, all of life Mm -hmm. coming from this like fertile darkness. And so when we participate in that by doing things like building soil, composting, if we dive into the kind of myth and, and um, deeper, history and meaning of that it actually becomes so um nourishing and so much more than you know just kind of like a a casual thing to do it's like oh yeah here I am like honoring the interface of life and death as I (laughs) um and then also offers opportunities to reflect on you know my own mortality as we all kind of need to right we're here in this Mm. little blip of time and um at some point we will also become the soil and how how do we want those ecosystems to be in the future when our bodies rejoin them so oh, gosh. you know i can freaking talk i can obviously talk about and go into this stuff for hours but let's say like some so rhythmic thing that i love to do is just composting and 
we go into this a lot in the course, but there's a lot of really rich different ways to kind of approach that. And, um, and then, you know, as if we're people listening are people who bleed, right? That's something that happens monthly and a really beautiful way to honor the planet is just to, you know, like give your blood back to the earth. And I, I know that can feel or seem a little out there and not everybody has access to that and not everybody vibes with that. And that's totally cool. You know what I mean? I think however anybody feels is totally fine. But for me, I think it's, it just helps to feel connected. And it's like, yeah, all right, this is kind of like a, a painful cycle that I go through every month and I'm using it to reconnect with this ultimate being that my life is like constructed around serving. So to me, that's like very meaningful. Does that involve like biodegradable tampons or how do Um, do you collect it and give it back? Oh yeah. So it's just a silicone cup. Oh, I've heard of those. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, and they're not, you know, and not everybody feels comfortable with that. Not everybody, but, but honestly, like I've been doing that. I honestly started to do it to like save money on constantly buying and also not be putting things in the landfill. Right. Mm. Um, and it's just been, it's chill. It's like easy to use. It's not complicated. And just then allows you to like offer the blood to earth. Cool. I, I watch a lot of Vikings and they love to make blood <laughs> offerings. <laughs> yeah, it's only, because it's they're only pagans. Blood. Yeah, yeah. It's only blood that have that um you know is available to be like offered without violence, right? I mean, I suppose it's a little violent because you experience cramps and things, but um, it's that's another sort of it's a microcosm of like the large cycling nature of the planet and probably the universe, I would imagine. But um, yeah. yeah. Um, so I'm really stuck on this now, though, because like I've never even <laughs> thought about that. And um, well, TMI for those of you who are squeamish, I'm like I'm late right now, and maybe this is why. Like I needed to have this conversation, and maybe I'm ready to start now, giving my blood back to the earth. Yeah, and, uh, yeah, it's really meaningful. And then we're not participating in these like you know. Instead, we can have a cycle that nourishes the planet instead of one where, you know, maybe people who aren't being treated well in India are growing the cotton for tampons that may or may not have things mm. on them that are not so good for our bodies anyway. And, right. um, you know, yeah. So so there's like some of those those cycling rituals that we can do um, to kind of tap in with what's already happening, right? We're already producing food waste. We're already bleeding. Might as mm-hmm. well tweak it a little bit and use it in ways that helps the planet. And then some of these larger, yeah, some of these like more kind of drastic um, sort of rituals can be, okay, like maybe doing ayahuasca or planting a new area of your food forest or having some, you know, gathering where everyone comes, you make a meal from the land and then everyone goes Mm. home and plants. Or sometimes I'll just go out into nature and just even just meditating and praying and just being present like that can be a really beautiful reset just literally laying on the planet and allowing you know your being to kind of recalibrate um it's funny I feel like I I really walk the line between like you know because I have the environmental science background and I'm also like I know this is a modern hippie podcast but I don't necessarily (laughs) like identify as a hippie either because I am like very feminine and I'm very like you know, I'm like a normal girl, but then I also have had this like profound, like 
psychedelic um, spiritual awakening. And so I feel like I walk with feet in all these, like I need more feet because I walk between like all these different (laughs) worlds. (laughs) Well, you know, for me, that's like the definition of a modern hippie. It's evolved. And when I was naming this podcast, I didn't feel like calling myself a hippie either. I was like, ah, it can't be. I was a pro athlete. Like I like rap music. Like I, come on. And then I started to realize, well, I love to pay attention to the cycles of the moon. I have more crystals than anyone I know. I have an altar. <laughs> I believe in spell casting. I, you know, love psychedelics and doing the deep work and exploring consciousness. And I was like, maybe that's exactly what a modern hippie is now. Like we're just multifaceted. We don't fit in this box. Like they used to just be, this is a hippie. And now it's like, we want to live in connection with the, with the earth and the energy of source and shit, sign me up. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. I love that you bring up like spell casting because I feel like a lot of what I'm doing and facilitating is it's like spell casting for a better planet in a way you know it's all about it's like the combination of intention creativity different spiritually charged and potent elements and bringing that together to help create more of the type of world that we all want to see so it is kind of like this modern spell casting like I definitely feel very um witchy with it and I'll do my like full moon rituals and everything and yeah new moon and all that I love that witches are emerging finally as this positive force for good. We're starting to shed that stereotype. But I mean, even if you look at like the four agreements by Don Miguel Ruiz, one of the agreements is be impeccable with your word because your word Mm -hmm. goes out there and it impacts everything around you. And literally he even talks about it in the book. It's the basis for spellcasting. If you speak Mm. out your intentions into the world just by simply intending it and speaking those words, you affect change major change and that's what spell casting is speaking it out yeah everything is deeply connected right we it's echoed it's echoed through ecology it's echoed through spirituality so it's like all right we're all connected in this web let's engage with that let's engage with that let's Mm -hmm. play with that let's see how can we like make can we amplify this sort of magic that is needed now um Mm -hmm healing because that's really like something that I wanted to to kind of speak about is that you know when I meditate and some of these like psychedelic journeys that I've gone on the major message that I get a lot is that the earth really wants us to remember Mm. she wants us to remember how that we're supposed to fit together right that we're part of this web and it's, it's just such a strong vision and theme in, in the meditations and the, the things that I see. And, and part of this is relearning to speak this language, right? And mm. um, it's no different than any other language, really. It's just a matter of learning to observe what's being said and, and the earth speaks in form the earth speaks in um, the cycles of the elements and every time there's a flood this drought um, these crazy things you know food shortages these things that we're seeing 
um, this is the planet speaking to us. And mm. some of us are learning to listen, right? Like you are, I am, a lot of us are kind of awakening. Being like, oh, okay. There is this like strong interconnection here that we need to pay attention to. And, um, and it, and it goes beyond, it goes beyond just kind of knowing that we're interconnected though. It goes into like, let's relearn the language of the earth. Um, mm -hmm. which has been so sort of erased, forgotten, not honored. And, um, and she's communicating that with us, right? Uh, via, you know, sort of increasingly intense climate realities. And um, so it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a re- re-education, re-tapping in of like this literacy that the planet is, is asking us to, um, to re-engage with. Did that make sense? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, um, I'm picking up that you're, you're talking not even specifically about words as language, um, mm. but that she's asking us to read that when the water runs dry, that maybe it's time to farm in a different way to yes. cause water to come back. Exactly. Yeah. Yes, language, as it's expressed, you know, in English, say, is is quite limited. Um, mm. I mean, I remember reading, and this resonated with me so much, like, language is, is a static expression of something that is dynamically and constantly changing, which is life and the life force in our experiences. And so one thing I love is when we start to work with the patterns of the earth, what's offered to us is an ability to tap into this deeper living language that is beyond words. It's similar to what we access when we're on psychedelics, actually. It's like this, mm. this greater reality that has so much to teach us. It's just that we need to sort of look through certain eyes or have certain experiences to be able to to speak it, to start to have that dialogue and, and work with it. and. Um, that's why part of what I teach is pattern literacy and ecological literacy and learning how to look for and tap back into these ways that the planet talks to us because there's so many, you know, there's like something as basic as receiving a sign, right? Which I think is something we're all kind of, that's a level that a lot of us are on, you know, as we kind of like look for signs, like maybe it's repeating numbers or we ask for a sign like, a bird will fly when we're thinking of a certain thing or things like that. But there's also um, these deeper levels of like uh, signs about say um, the hydrological cycle and, and what's happening with the rainfall patterns and what's happening with the way that rivers are flowing. Um, that it's both a communication from the planet and it's also a request. It's a request mm. for engagement um, and collaboration. So, yeah. <laughs> I love that. And it coincides with something I learned recently that like the plants need the humans to help them flourish, right? Mm. Um, in the way, specifically like plants, when you when we prune them, when we remove what's dead, it allows them to grow even more. And so just yes. like the river asks for engagement, like these plants are mm -hmm. constantly asking for for that. I feel like- yeah. They're just, they're dying for our support, literally dying for our support all around the mm -hmm. world. And um, 
to have that relationship with them where I live now in an apartment. I moved here about a year and a half ago and my best friend Lexi is like super into plants. And so she got me into plants and she's the kind of girl who has like literally counted over a hundred plants inside of her apartment. And so this is the first time in my life I have plants that have lived over a year. (laughs) Like normally everything dies, but I've been, um, slowly getting things like my, my pride and joy is a Swiss cheese monstera that hangs in my bedroom. And we sort of do this dance on if it's getting enough light or not. And mm-hmm. you, you can tell she speaks to me all the time. Yes. And, um, they all do. Yeah. Like they all have their signs, their symptoms, their, their, um, what do you think is one of the easiest signs to identify when a plant is trying to tell you something? It's growth habits, right? Mm. So uh, I'll I'll answer this like and then I'll and then I'll broaden it a little. So um, when you when something is planted, it will give you a lot of information by like how quickly it grows, how vigorously it grows. Um, also, if it's like leaning a certain direction, right? It's like craving <laughs> more sunlight, or if you start to see certain um, certain like little spots on the leaves or whatever that's giving you information about what nutrients may be deficient or that there may be like a strong pest pressure in Mm. in the area so it's like in a way um I think houseplants and balcony gardens are kind of like the perfect gateway drug to to realizing that those little things that you notice in your houseplants the whole world is respond like the entire living world is responding with just that amount of nuance or more every Mm. second of every day and there's (laughs) there's so much power and inspiration and collaborative potential available to us when we learn to tune in and tap into that Mm. for real yeah yeah and it's God, plants are so cool. I'm going to digress a little bit on a little diatribe, but like just the fact that their roots go underground and then they communicate with each other even. So remove us from the equation and they're sharing water, they're sharing nutrients, they're they're sharing light sometimes. Um, Mm -hmm. It's just, they're just so fascinating and they're so communicative. And um, I'm also really impressed how affected they are by our thoughts by our words spoken to them, by the music that we play them or don't play Mm -hmm. them. Um, Mm -hmm. They are just, they're picking up on those signs and they're giving us more. Yeah. (sighs) Yeah. Plants are, we can learn so many lessons from them and, and the whole living world and ourselves really, because so plants, you know, like most things, like a lot of times we'll have experiences like say it's a house plant in a container and, and it's, that's such a lovely way to, to start to approach this stuff. And um, most, most of the earth and actually our own bodies and even within a little pot, there it, things grow in symbiotic relationships. So like even when we think, so if you think about a forest, right, there's like so many species, 
There's also fungi under the ground um, helping to exchange nutrients and like having their own life cycles. There's the animals, there's all of it. Okay, that's sort of the, the macro. And then even if you zoom in and think about like our own gut or even our own skin, like there is so, there's our microbiome. We're, we're ecosystems, you know? Yeah. Like we are composed of many, 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 many organisms. And so, um, and they, they all need each other. Uh, mm-hmm. And so I think there's a lot of beautiful lessons in community and symbiosis. And when we think about people who, you know, say rehabilitate their gut flora or embark on some sort of healing journey, a lot of it is about bringing the symbiosis of uh, different elements into balance because we are all this, uh, it's a, it's a multi-species communal kind of undertaking really this whole engaging with life thing this whole speaking to you thing right now both of us anybody listening us all being alive there's like trillions of organisms that are all making this possible right now so really even if someone listening is like oh i feel alone or in times where we feel alone we're never alone it's literally not possible (laughs) never possible yeah, I was I was flying home today from North Carolina and looking out the window, which is just one of my favorite views in the entire world. Like I just am that kid still at 36 years old who sits in the window seat and looks out. I can look out the window the entire time on a five-hour plane ride. And um, it just – to me, it's that like zoomed out perspective of exactly what you're talking about, how – you start to see just how many people there are in our region, just how many elements and parts there are. And um, oh, I took off this morning in North Carolina and we we got just above the cloud cover and there were still mountains and the sun was rising. And so the clouds were moving like waves through the mountains and um, the sun was just barely starting to like peek up over the hill and it mm. gave this just incredible beauty and depth and um, understanding of like, God, you know, everywhere that, that we were as people were under those clouds even. And now I'm in this realm where there's even less, but to look down and then to see the houses, there's, you can see thousands, tens of thousands, hundreds, you know, Mm -hmm. so it all is just so connected and those clouds move and flow based on the wind that's coming from one direction and the pressure change in another direction and the water that's evaporating from another direction. And it all just. Yeah. Swirls and together. I know in every, every human experience that's ever happened, as far as we know, has happened under that same sun and under that same moon. Mm. And there's so many generations of, of us that have walked this earth and that will. And so, so much of this knowledge of how do we reconnect with the planet and, and um, reconnect with, with nature and with like this deep eco-spirituality, like it's literally encoded in ourselves. You know, like I was speaking with my friend about this earlier today, like we evolved to move. We evolved to be participatory in our landscape. We evolved to be in community. Our cells know that. And I think we're really being woken back up to that. And there's so many of us, right? Like you're saying when you're flying in that plane, like overlooking all these people, if every single one of us just started to tweak our lifestyles a little bit, be a little more tapped in, be a little more reverent, be a little more caring, 
deepen that connection just a bit. God, the ripples, the ripples can be and will be and already are massive. Getting goosebumps from that one. Yeah, I feel <laughs> it just in us talking about it, you know. Um, that is one thing I, I think the pandemic was good for, was getting people more in touch with plants and getting people to embrace that relationship again, right? Because they had to bring plants into their homes when they weren't allowed to leave. And I see more plants in people's homes than I have ever seen in my entire life before. And Mm -hmm. if there were to be a positive from COVID, um, that is one of them. Yeah. Yeah. And it was a good pattern interrupt too. I think, you know, a lot of us kind of Mm -hmm. get on the hamster wheels of living our lives and there's, it's not good or bad. It just is. I do this too. And we kind of get in the pattern where we're just sort of in our rhythm and then we're not stopping to think like, whoa, hey, like, is what I'm doing, like, I'm going to die one day. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. Is what I'm doing, is this really the way that I want to spend my life? Is this, um, could I, is there maybe deeper meaning, deeper purpose, more connection available to me? I think especially like for a lot of us not being able to see our loved ones for a while, like really solidified, at least to me, like the importance of of connection and I craved that you know for quite a while while we weren't allowed you know while we were all in quarantine so um yeah it's been a really interesting shift and I also am grateful because I feel like the internet mycelium has really strengthened um since you know through COVID and continues now and so that allows us to have conversations like this and it allows me to help people all over the world through my courses because those channels are more open than they were. Yeah. And your regenerative rituals, um, is that like a course that anyone can take, whether they have like a yard or not? Does it apply to, to the balcony gardens as well? Yes, totally applies to balcony gardens, totally applies to people who aren't, you know, who are just dreaming, who are going to get onto their piece of land or their place in the future. Um, and it also is really helpful if you already have, your own project started and have your own mm-hmm. land. I get a mix of people and pretty much, yeah, no matter where you are on your journey, there's a lot of tweaks and things that you can do to bring these, these rituals that are regenerative for yourself and for the planet into your life. Um, it's kind of like the marriage of like self-care and earth care in a way. Mm. Um, and yeah. So it's, it's, it's for people who are just interested in wherever they may be on this path. Very cool. And do you, is that like an ongoing thing that people can enroll in or do you have specific enrollment dates? Mm, Yeah, I only open it a few times a year. The next one is going to be in February, um, starting February 1st. It's mostly full, but there are a couple spots left, um, so if people are into it, they can get on the wait list, which is uh, linked in my Instagram bio. My Instagram is food forest goddess. <laughs> yeah. And we'll um, have that linked up in the show notes as well. All the links yeah. you sent over. Yeah. Oh, very cool. I definitely want to check in on that. And I love the idea of, I mean, I'm already trying, but I feel like you can always expand your knowledge of how to better live in that cycle. You know, we're we're coming up on um, what is uh, December's holiday. It's one of the equinoxes, and uh, 
Yule or no? Yes. Yeah. Yule. Um, and you know, it's this celebration of like the end of the cycle. And, uh, in my opinion, what a beautiful time to like learn to honor that and then start embracing the, the growth of the new cycle. And, um, what a wonderful way then someone to join regenerative rituals with you if they can get yes, in. Yes, totally. And you know, something I did with it is like something that I really loved about the holidays and I'm not religious and we don't, you know, it's not a religious thing, but um, I always love like advent calendars. Um, mm. So, and I love getting gifts and I think we all do. So something that I did is we have this like custom curated gift box that arrives oh, cool. when you register yes and because it's a six-week course there's like a little gift for each week from you know different ecologically aligned like artisans that helps to like integrate the teachings deeper and mm-hmm. um it's just a really fun like tangible way to link us all because you know people all over the world uh and it and it helps to really anchor in the teachings and bring this this earth medicine more deeply into our our lives Mm, oh so cool can you uh give any hints as to something that might be in the box (laughs) um yes there is a there well so i'll just give some clues i suppose like because each week we move through a different element Right. So um, one of them is so, you know, there's earth, water, fire, um, community and consciousness and integration. And so Hmm. for the uh, the consciousness and the health one, I have friends who forge these very special uh, medicinal blends um, in Hmm. Alaska where they go every year and they collect this very special mushroom it's not um it's not psychedelic but it's a very potent special medicinal mushroom that you can only get in certain areas of the world so i'm including that very cool oh i I want one i love all things (laughs) mushrooms (laughs) have you um have you lived anywhere else besides maui and north carolina i lived in baltimore briefly because I went to art school so I lived in Baltimore for about a year and um, that was really interesting because that's a pretty like it's definitely not a nature centered environment right I was like yeah. in inner city Baltimore at a school called Micah and um, yeah so that was the other place that I've lived and that was a really good kind of stark contrast for me of just like how important it is to be connected to nature for mental health and to Mm. feel artistically inspired Um, because at the time you know I was 18 I really didn't know myself at all and so I said oh I'll go to Baltimore like I'll feel inspired my mental health will be fine I was like (laughs) no no (laughs) yeah and then I've traveled some no oh cool do you sort yeah. of, um, well, I personally get like anxious in cities. Um, do you struggle okay. with cities at all? Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yes. I really, I kind of can't, um, with cities too much, like big cities just because, um, there's just a lot of it. I think there's almost the point of like, 
just learning everything that I've learned about the way that things need to be redesigned in order to function well. Um, mm. Most modern cities are just so like flagrantly designed in all these ways that are that are not in cooperation with that. When I go there, I'm like, oh man, this is not gonna last. Like, right? And, and it kind of, and then yeah, and then I just kind of get anxiety from it, honestly. <laughs> I totally understand. <laughs> What's one of your favorite places you visited that had like a, that made you feel very fulfilled in your connection to the earth? Oh, it was the Galapagos. Oh yes. Tell me more. Well, I, I got to do a marine bio study abroad program there as part of my um, environmental science curriculum. And that was the place that I really fell in love with, you know, the ocean and the tropics because um, it's just such strong nature out there, right? Like this, the animal species, the uh, the way that the ocean is, the effects of the different currents and the weather patterns out there. It's just incredible. And that was where I really started to connect with like the water element because I was every day going snorkeling for as many hours as I could um mm. and that was also when I realized like oh I think I want to live on an island <laughs> um because of this kind of like small community feel and the just the energy of it like sometimes even like I lived in Asheville North Carolina before I moved here and I love Asheville and I've got amazing community there but there's something about the smallness of the community here that and and the way that I like always run into my friends I'll always run into community members and so I oh I feel really held here in a way that I didn't feel um even in a place like Asheville where people are like oh my gosh community and it is it is (laughs) um and I I love Asheville I'm going there like in a few weeks actually but um that's where I just yeah, flew back from. Oh, no way. <laughs> yeah, I was in Nashville. Wow. Oh, my gosh. That's nice to be. Yeah. Yeah. There it Nashville's is. amazing. I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a great place. That's where I did my permaculture design training, and that's where I went to college. And yeah. Oh, very cool. Yeah, it seems to be thriving. I know my dad and his wife have a house there, and they sort of they grow some things, and their neighbors grow some things, and then they love to – combine forces and cook together and so they're very involved in like seeing the art and supporting the communities and mm. um it seems very yeah. aligned for me as yes well. it is it's a it's a lovely place um it's a really it was a really good like kind of springboard for me and a really good place to get an education mm, i bet and it's so beautiful in the summertime especially it's so beautiful there yeah like, it is Talk about seeing forests thrive. Mm-hmm. So is there anything else I have forgotten to, to discuss with you? I, I just, I love everything that you offer and what you bring to the table. It's just so I'm a flow. nerd, so I made notes because <laughs> that's like my Virgo placements, okay? I'm a good teacher partially because I have Virgo placements. Um, but yes. Got? Um, the last kind of thing that I really wanted to communicate with everyone was, um, and I journal a lot. Um, I think 
probably a lot of people listening also journal a lot because it's like such a powerful tool for self-development and getting to know ourselves. Um, there's kind of a, <clears throat> a historical like bifurcation happening and bifurcation means mm. like branching. It's like a term for branching, right? So we see it in a lot of patterns in nature. We see it in mycelium, tree branches, everything. They're bifurcating all over the place. And I see right now there's sort of a bifurcation happening in terms of the, the uh, different paths that we could take societally, right? So there's one where we sort of integrate the things that we have learned um, where, and, and I think that that includes technology, right? It includes yeah. all the modern advancements. It just is also honoring nature and and ecology in the way that this planet is actually designed. So I'm trying to direct traffic that direction, right? Mm -hmm. um, that's like kind of my place in work and like, I'm pretty sure like why I'm incarnated right now. And then there's this sort of side of like, um, if we branch this direction, you know, I don't like to dwell in negativity or any of the doom and gloom climate stuff. Like that is not what my work is about. And mm -hmm. um, if we, if we you know, just continue using fossil fuels and, and don't change our lifestyles and things like that, um, and just sort of go too far into these tech bubbles without being grounded in what the earth actually needs, that branch um, is not going to end as well for us. You know, the earth will be okay, but humanity might not be okay. So, yeah. so when we look at this kind of juncture of where we're at um, in human civilization, really, we are really kind of at this massive moment of we personally and collectively really need to choose like which direction do we want to go and align our lives with that. Um, and I really feel in this moment, it could not be more important to stand up for that, for the planet, for future generations, um, because this is a really, this is a really important time. We, it's crunch time in terms of <laughs> getting people on deck to, to help, shift things for the better and it's possible and it can be joyful it can be fun and we need as many people on board as we can have so that's that is the kind of um i'm i'm rooting i'm rooting for this path i'm rooting for the path of healing and and living in a harmonious way with the planet and each other mm, me too and yeah what a beautiful last message to share i'm glad we didn't skip over it Thank you. let's recruit who's ready to be uh, a force for good for this world for humanity for consciousness it's it's time to rise up yes i'm yes I will and that's you. literally why i think both of us are here like we're here to help guide and teach and we're resources here for you so mm. reach out mm. Let's, and speaking of reaching out, how can people, my listeners, connect with you? Yes. So uh, I'm on Instagram at Food Forest Goddess, and that's a good kind of linking place to find um, my podcast. It's called the Regenerative Revolution Podcast, and I have interviews with leaders from all across this environmental and spiritual movement every month. And then you can also find the information to register for the course on there. The next round is launching 
uh, February 1st, and there are, I believe, two or three spots left right now. Like, it's a small group, you know, it's like kind of a tight, intimate container. So if people are interested, the best way to do that is to just go to my Instagram, or you can go to my website, um, which is just JenningsDesigns.com. Perfect. Well, we will have both of those linked up. And if you are interested, get on it. Don't waste time. There's no time like the present. Support a beautiful woman with a beautiful heart, with beautiful energy, who's doing beautiful things for this planet. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining me today, Jennings. It's such an honor to come on. Thank you so much for your work in the world. And thank you for having me on. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Thanks so much for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe and review this podcast wherever you're listening. I'm so grateful to have you on this journey with me. Until next time.